Hello, everyone. This is Jeffrey Kerr. The nominations for this year's Academy Awards were announced on January 23rd. Today, we are here to discuss the nominees in each of the top eight above-the-line categories. What I'm going to be doing is go through them one by one, reading out loud all the nominees, and give my thoughts on them. From screenplay, to acting, to directing, to the biggest one of all, Best Picture. So let's get started, shall we? For Best Adapted Screenplay, the nominees are American Fiction, Barbie, Oppenheimer, Four Things, and The Zone of Interest. In my predictions, I got about four out of five in this category correct. The Writers Guild of America Awards have been delayed until after the Oscars due to the writers' strike from this past year, so no predictor had help from them at all. Oppenheimer and Poor Things were both recognized by all major precursors. Barbie was too, although Warner Brothers campaigned that movie as an original screenplay where it won as Critics' Choice before the Academy declared it as adapted. Meanwhile, American Fiction not only won the Critics' Choice in this category, but it was also nominated at BAFTA. I knew those four movies were in. I, like a number of people, assumed Killers of the Flower Moon was a lock as well. It may have gotten in everywhere but BAFTA, but I, like many, expected the film itself to be a top-tier contender throughout the season. The script was penned by Martin Scorsese, who's been nominated in this category twice before for Goodfellas and The Age of Innocence, and Eric Roth, who's a branch favorite. He's not only a previous winner for Forrest Gump, but he's also been nominated five times since then. For a while, I had the zone of interest taking the fifth slot, as I felt the more international voting block at the Academy would vouch for it here. Yet when Barbie got moved to Adapted, that made things tricky. I knew it was possible for the former to still make the cut. It did receive a BAFTA nomination in this category. But I just didn't know what to take out, so Killers Missing here was definitely a surprise. And since they're all Best Picture nominees, I'm gonna save my thoughts on them for later. For Best Original Screenplay, the nominees are... Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Maestro, May-December, and Past Lives. In my predictions, I got all five in this category correct. Past Lives was the only one that was recognized by each of the major precursors. The Holdovers and Maestro were both nominated at BAFTA and Critics' Choice. Anatomy of a Fall not only got in at BAFTA, but it's also pulled a huge surprise winning the catch-all screenplay category at the Golden Globes. And despite only getting in at Critics' Choice coupled with the momentum of the film itself fading in recent weeks, I still felt that May-December would take the fifth slot here, given the lack of strong contenders in this category. Glad I did, because I really liked that movie, and it's definitely deserved recognition somewhere. And since the other four are Best Picture nominees, I'm saving my thoughts on them for later. For Best Supporting Actress, the nominees are... Emily Blunt, Oppenheimer, Daniel Brooks, The Color Purple, America Ferreira, Barbie... Jodie Foster, Nyad, and Divine Joy Randolph, The Holdovers. In my predictions, I got about 4 out of 5 in this category correct. Emily Blunt, Daniel Brooks, and Divine Joy Randolph were each recognized by all four of the major precursors. I mean, Randolph already won the Golden Globe's Critics' Choice, so there was no way she was missing. 
Blunt, who many have felt has been so egregiously overlooked for an Oscar nod multiple times ever since her breakout role in The Devil Wears Prada way back in 2006, finally made it a cut this time. It helped that the film she's up for this year is a strong contender for Best Picture. And while I felt good about Brooks getting in, I was concerned about her missing in part due to how The Color Purple has had a disappointing precursor run throughout the season, and prior to the nomination announcement, it was looking like it was Brooks or Bust for that movie, so I was relieved that her name was called in this category. Meanwhile, Jodie Foster got in at Golden Globe's Critics' Choice and SAG. While she wasn't considered a sure thing for the Oscar nod, I felt that her presence on the campaign trail during nomination voting not only promoting Nyad, but also the new season of True Detective would be helpful. After all, being on that hit HBO show during final voting likely helped Matthew McConaughey win for Dallas Buyers Club in 2013, as well as Mahershala Ali for Green Book in 2018. I doubt Foster's gonna win this year, but hey, at least she earned her first Oscar nod since Nell way back in 1994. As for the fifth slot, I for a while struggled figuring out who to go with. Penelope Cruz may have gotten a surprise Saginaw for Ferrari, but I felt like she needed more than just that to make the cut. Claire Foy did get in at BAFTA for all of us strangers, so she seems like a bit of a dark horse. A number of people went with Rosamund Pike for Saltburn. I knew it wasn't impossible since she did get in at Golden Globes and BAFTA. Although I settled on Sandra Huller for The Zone of Interest, she got in here at BAFTA in addition to lead actress for Anatomy of a Fall, more on that later. Usually more established actors are the ones who leaned two acting Oscar nods in the same year. Yet I had this feeling that the more international voting block, coupled with Hooler's overall visibility from this past year, would help her out. Meanwhile, America Ferreira, who only got in at Critics' Choice for Barbie, taking the fifth slot here was definitely a surprise. I know a number of people were hoping she'd make it, but I didn't think it would realistically happen. From having listened to Next Best Pictures nominations recap podcast, they felt that her acceptance speech for the hashtag SeeHer award at Critics' Choice might have helped her out considerably, which I might have to agree with. Overall, I think this is a mostly stellar lineup. I found Blunt to be emotionally effective and very strong in Oppenheimer. I thought Brooks stole the show in The Color Purple. Ferreira was a highlight of the cast to me in Barbie. Foster was an absolute standout to me in Nyad. And while I found Randolph's performance in The Holdovers admirable, I still didn't get what all the fuss was about with her. For Best Supporting Actor, the nominees are... Sterling K. Brown, American Fiction. Robert De Niro, Killers of the Flower Moon. Robert Downey Jr., Oppenheimer. Ryan Gosling, Barbie, and Mark Ruffalo, Poor Things. In my predictions, I got about 4 out of 5 in this category correct. Robert De Niro, Robert Downey Jr., and Ryan Gosling were each recognized as all four of the major precursors. And while Mark Ruffalo only got in at Golden Globes and Critics' Choice, I had a feeling he'd still make the cut here anyway like Willem Dafoe at Eternity's Gate in 2018. Amanda Seyfried in Mink in 2020, Kristen Stewart and Spencer in 2021, and Michelle Williams in The Fablemans last year. It helps that he's not only been previously nominated three times, but he's also appearing in a top-tier Best Picture contender. 
Speaking of Defoe, I predicted he'd take the fifth slot in this category for poor things. He got in at Golden Globes and SAG, plus he's a respected veteran who's been nominated four times before. Not to mention that at least one of the two supporting categories had a pair of co-stars up against each other for the same movie every year since 2017. Yet, this is the first time since 2016 where that was not the case at all. Sterling K. Brown was someone I did consider putting into my predictions. He got in at Critics' Choice and SAG, the latter of which I successfully went against the green and predicted, for a film that is definitely on the Academy's radar this season. He's had a lot of growing respect from his peers ever since his breakout year on the small screen in 2016 with both The People vs. O.J. Simpson and This Is Us, but I ultimately didn't because I just didn't know who to take out. In the end, I'm glad he made the cuts because I thought he was so memorable in American fiction. As for the other nominees, I found De Niro to be quite charismatic in Killers of the Flower Moon. I agree with many that Downey absolutely gave some of the most compelling work of his career in Oppenheimer. Gosling to me was charming in Barbie, and I thought Ruffalo was charismatically strong in Poor Things. So if you ask me, this is a pretty great lineup overall. For Best Actress, the nominees are... Annette Benning, Nyad, Lily Gladstone, Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Huller, Anatomy of a Fall, Carrie Mulligan, Maestro, and Emma Stone, Poor Things. In my predictions, I got all five in this category correct. The first time I pulled that off since 2018. Carrie Mulligan and Emma Stone were both nominated by all four of the major precursors. Lily Gladstone was nominated everywhere but BAFTA, which was likely due to that group's small jury system they've been utilizing since 2020. Sandra Hula was nominated everywhere but SAG, although that group rarely ever recognizes performances in foreign language films. Meanwhile, Margot Robbie was widely expected to round out this category for her performance in Barbie. She was nominated by every single precursor. However, I knew she was vulnerable for a number of reasons. One of them being how insanely crowded the category was this year. You could almost do a whole lineup of contenders who didn't make the cut. Another reason being that when it comes to Oscar nomination voting, certain contenders need a lot of number one or number two votes to get in. I, like several others, questioned if Robbie would get enough of those, especially for a role that members of the actors branch may not find to be much of a challenge. I had a feeling that she'd be the shocking miss here, and trying to figure out who would get in over her, I considered Fantasia Barino, who got in at Golden Globes and BAFTA for The Color Purple, as well as Greta Lee, who got in at Golden Globes and Critics' Choice for Past Lives. However, I settled on the Golden Globe and SAG nominee, Annette Benning for the following reasons. I felt that if the actors branch were already nominating Nyad for Best Supporting Actress for Jodie Foster, they may not have wanted to do so without recognizing her co-star here, especially given that they're pretty much a team in that movie. Another reason was because Benning had been out on the campaign trail quite a lot in recent weeks. Which was perfect timing given that it was around the time nomination voting was happening. And last, but certainly not least, she had a Netflix backing her, and that streaming service has proven to be pretty aggressive awards campaigners. I'm very glad to have been right. I mean, this is not only Benning's first Oscar night since the kids are all right 13 years ago, but I also thought she gave such a phenomenal performance in Nyad. And I found Huller to be outstanding in Anatomy of a Fall. 
Gladstone, to me, was a real revelation in Killers of the Flower Moon. Mulligan, I felt, gave some of the strongest work she's ever done in Maestro, and I thought Stone was so memorable in Poor Things. Overall, I think this is probably the greatest Best Actress lineup we've had in a while. For Best Actor, the nominees are... Bradley Cooper, Maestro. Coleman Domingo, Rustin. Paul Giamatti, The Holdovers. Killian Murphy, Oppenheimer and Jeffrey Wright, American Fiction. In my predictions, I got all five correct in this category. Bradley Cooper, Coleman Domingo, Paul Giamatti, and Killian Murphy all got in at each of the four major precursors. Meanwhile, Jeffrey Wright did so as well, with the exception of BAFTA. Like I mentioned with Lily Gladstone, that was likely due to their small jury system. Speaking of which, many early on thoughts for co-star Leonardo DiCaprio was a lock in this category, but his snubs at SAG and BAFTA put him on cheeky grounds. I knew it wasn't impossible he could still make the cuts here, but his work in Killers of the Flower Moon probably didn't impress voters enough to give him the necessary number one nor two votes he needed. Plus, it seems he spent this whole season campaigning more for Gladstone than himself. As for other options, some wondered if Andrew Scott would be a dark horse to sneak in here for all of us strangers, yet when he missed the BAFTA lineup, his chances of getting in here were pretty much over. It was especially hard for him to overcome that when his only major precursor bid came from the Golden Globes. And overall, I think this is, for the most part, a pretty great lineup. Cooper really pours his heart and soul into his performance in Maestro. I thought Domingo carried Rustin on the weight of his shoulders quite successfully, and Giamatti and the holdovers I admired, but like Randolph, I personally didn't get what all the fuss was about with him. And Murphy, to me, gave a very hauntingly complex performance in Oppenheimer, and I felt Wright gave such compelling work in American fiction. For Best Director, the nominees are Jonathan Glazer, The Zone of Interest, Yarkos Lanthimos, Poor Things, Christopher Nolan, Oppenheimer, Martin Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon, and Justine Trier, Anatomy of a Fall. In my predictions, I got about 4 out of 5 in this category correct. Christopher Nolan was the only one who was recognized by each of the four major precursors. Meanwhile, Yorkos Lanthimos and Martin Scorsese both got in everywhere but BAFTA, and once again, their snubs there were likely a result of the small jury system. And one contender I think I did have getting an all-season long was Jonathan Glazer. BAFTA may have been the only place he showed up in this category for the zone of interest, but that was enough to convince me that the international voting block of the director's branch were going to vouch for him. As for the fifth slot, many thought Greta Gerwig was a near-lock to take it for Barbie. She got in everywhere but BAFTA, which might have suggested that she was vulnerable, although I knew she was for more reasons than just that. While I thought she did a nice job on that movie, I, like several others, questioned if she'd get enough number one or two votes from the Academy members. I also had a hard time seeing those snobby members of the director's branch taking a film like that seriously. We've seen in the past that they tend to thumb their noses at populist titles unless they happen to be top-tier best picture contenders. 
As for alternatives, Bradley Cooper did get in everywhere but DGA for Maestro, yet similar to his run with A Star is Born back in 2018, the director's branch clearly still doesn't take actor-turned-directors like him seriously a lot of the time. Nice told on Alexander Payne for The Holdovers, he not only got in everywhere but the Golden Globes, but he's also been nominated here for each of his previous Best Picture nominees, Sideways, The Descendants, and Nebraska. Not only that, but each of those times, he was up against Scorsese. And I knew Justin Trier had an outside shot of sneaking in, especially after making the cut at BAFTA, but the five I had predicted, it was hard for me to figure out who to drop for her. And what do you know? She replaced Payne. For Best Picture, the nominees are... American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. In my predictions, I got all ten in this category correct, which is probably the first time I've managed to pull that off, at least for years where we've had a field of ten Best Picture nominees. The films that got nominated at each of the four major precursors are The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Movies that were recognized by all of them except BAFTA are American Fiction, Barbie, Maestro, and Past Lives. Anatomy of a Fall got in everywhere but Critics' Choice, while The Zone of Interest only got in at Golden Globes and PGA. When each of those ten films got nominated by the latter group, many, myself included, were surprised given how much they're known for having more populist picks. I ultimately decided to play it safe by predicting the PGA tend to get in here and not go against the grain. Especially given that there was apparently no clear alternative regarding what could have snuck in. Like when The Color Purple started screening back in November, everyone thought it was gonna be a surefire crowd-pleasing nominee. Yet it's really underperformed at all of the major precursors, only reaping a Best Picture bid at Critics' Choice and nowhere else. As for my thoughts, I think this is a mostly solid lineup. Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, and Poor Things were all among my favorite movies of last year, so I'm glad to see them recognized. I quite liked American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, Maestro, and The Zone of Interest, so I don't mind the recognition for either of them here. Meanwhile, I personally found the holdovers to be pretty overrated, so that's clearly my least favorite of this lineup. Before we go, I'd like to take this moment to remember two industry veterans we've lost within this past month, both of whom happened to have been previous Oscar nominees. Glennis Johns died from natural causes on January 4th at the age of 100. An actress with five Broadway credits to her name, she won a Tony Award in 1973 for her performance as Desiree Armfeld in the original production of Stephen Sondheim and Hugh Wheeler's musical, A Little Night Music. Her voice was the one that introduced one of Sondheim's most famous songs, if not his most famous, Send in the Clowns to the World. She also had a prolific screen career, having earned an Oscar nomination for her supporting role in Fred Zinnemann's 1960 drama The Sundowners. Although she is perhaps best known to audiences of all ages as Winifred Banks in Walt Disney's 1964 classic, Mary Poppins. She was the oldest living Academy Award nominee in any acting category and the oldest living Disney legend.
Norman Jewison died on January 20th at the age of 97. After having started out in television, he went on to make a name for himself as a major motion picture director. Throughout his long career, he very impressively never made the same movie twice. Among some of his more noteworthy films are The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming, In the Heat of the Night, Hitler on the Roof, A Soldier Story, and Moonstruck. Each of those earned him a grand total of seven Oscar nominations. He may have never won competitively, but he did receive the Irving G. Thalberg Award in 1999. My condolences go out to both of their families. So that's just about does it for my reactions to this year's Oscar nominations. I'll be sure to provide more coverage of the race within the next month, leading up to the Academy Awards on Sunday, March 10th. If you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash podcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at CareReviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.